Coming up on Art Palace. It's all on a human scale so that it highlights how, how dangerous this could be. This is a high stakes situation here. Welcome to Art Palace, produced by Cincinnati Art Museum. This is your host, Russell Eyrig. Here at the Art Palace, we meet cool people and then talk to them about art. Today's cool person is illustrator Aaron Barker. Yeah, today I told... Um, I was just down with the summer campers and I said, oh, I have to go leave to record a podcast. And the kids were like, one of the kids was like, what's that? What? <laughs> the kids. So sad. No. I was like, <laughs> it's like modern radio. <laughs> I was like, well, obviously I'm not doing it for you. <laughs> you don't get to listen, kid. Jeez. <laughs> Way to make me feel Privileges bad. Privileges have, right? have been revoked. Well, I feel like that's a response I expect all the time to get when talking with like an older person. But, right. But you just feel like how, kids. How old like, was this kid? Uh, nine or ten. Oh, wow. Well, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I guess it's just like clearly not at all. I mean, like when I was nine or ten, like if somebody was like, hey, do you want to listen to two people blabber on and on about like nothing for Blech, an what? hour? No. I would just be like, uh, no, thank you. I will pass. Like, no, that does not sound fun at all. Like, I mean, yeah. it's just like the idea of talk radio being interesting yes. to me at that oh, age is yeah. probably not, you know, not something I would. Zero s- chance. Of right. That. So, yeah, I guess it makes sense. But it was a little disheartening that he literally had no idea what I was talking about. What it about. even was. That's yeah. Hilarious. The word meant nothing yeah. to him. Now, it's one kid. Maybe maybe the rest of them are all very big fans. Savvy. But... Podcast aficionados. Yeah, but I doubt it. Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> <clears throat> they actually are huge fans of your podcast. Oh, they most definitely are They've not. got to be. <laughs> <laughs> I offer them nothing. I'll just make it like full of like Fortnite tips and then I'll have them all on go. my side. They'll like be. <laughs> They'll get it. Yeah. We'll, we'll just retitle this episode like Fortnite uh, secret tips and tricks explained <laughs> with Aaron Barker. And then it's like, just kidding. We're talking about art. <laughs> We're going to talk about drawings. Yeah. Illustration. Yeah. Oh, where's the Fortnite tips? Where are my video games? <laughs> <laughs> I could probably. I mean, I couldn't tell you how to win Fortnite, but I could tell you more about it than I should be able yeah. to. I, I feel like every once in a while, like the kids will be talking about something and they'll be like a little like, wait, you know, you know about that, you know, about like Pokemon. Yeah. yeah right. like I know about Pokemon, dude. <laughs> yeah. It's cool. Like I that's can... that's one of my favorite things because I work at a kid's bookstore. Uh, one of my favorite things is when the kid comes in and they they think I don't know what they're right. talking about. And yeah. then I like give them a little insider scoop and they're like, Oh, what? I I see you in a completely different light now. <laughs> I thought you weren't cool, but now you are. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've gotten Sucker. that like look from the kids before. Like, oh, wait, oh, what? what? Huh? How do you know about this? <laughs> what? You can show me exactly where the Minecraft books are? Yes, I can. <laughs> so you work at the Blue Manatee? I do. Um, I, yeah, it's a magical wonderland. Yeah, uh, yeah. We have all kids books. We have a very tiny adult 
book section, but yeah, I had no idea that they offered that even. Yeah. It's like one tiny shelf, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, it's owned by a pediatrician. So, uh, our focus is really like early childhood development. So toddlers is our main demographic. Um, but I do story time on Tuesdays, mm. um, and it is a blast and a half. Good. We do story time on Wednesdays, so we're not competing. Oh, good, good, good. Well, we also do story time on Wednesdays. It's just, oh. not, my, it's just not my story time. Oh, Someone okay. else is doing story time on Wednesdays, I, but let's be real. Mine's the best. Oh. Uh, yeah. I'm guessing <laughs> you guys probably do story time many days. Every day. <laughs> <laughs> Every day, we don't do it on Mondays, and we don't do it on Sundays. Mondays, we have a little art class. So this Uh-oh. morning, we had a fun little painting uh, class and read a story, and uh, it was it was great. Nice, yeah. nice. Well, that's cool. So were you already deep into, like, illustration and doing children's books before you started working there, or is that sort of, like, influencing you in some way? Or um, I have always been a huge fan of children's literature. Um you know, way past when it was like appropriate to like kids books. I've just always liked them. Um, partially because I've always loved art and illustration. Um, have always felt like an artist. I never questioned what, what I was going to do. I just knew that I was going to do art. So then when I, when I started working there, it was, um, like all my dreams came true. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but being there and being, um, seeing what kids were actually reading, um, and what books were being picked up and what was selling, what parents were interested in versus like what the kids might be interested in. And I found this like very interesting um, combination of like the best books are the ones that the parents and the kids are interested in. Um, because if the kid is just into it, then the parent might buy it for their child, but then they're not going to want to read it over and over again. Um, And if the parent is only interested in it, then the kid isn't going to want to read it. So like the, those ones that kind of fall in between where both of those intersect, like John Clausen books, this is not my hat. um, And that sort of like hat series that he has done. I don't know if you're familiar with his work. He's so hilarious says so much with so little Mm. um it's like this really simple style but there's he can pack so much emotion into like one little thing it's just incredible um those books i've found that like parents like reading those and kids find them hilarious um the elephant and piggy books by mo willems are huge um, <clears throat> parents will read those over and over again. They're legitimately funny. They're very funny and kids just die over them. Um, but it's been really, really cool to see what the ins and outs are of the children's book industry. Um, because I've only just kind of been a, a fan and then wanted to do it from an illustration standpoint for years and years. But now that I'm actually working with a in a bookstore and then also like with the publishing company that Blumanity owns, Blumanity Press, mm-hmm. that's also been an incredible um, opportunity just to see how the publishing world works. What do you think parents are looking for and what do you think kids are looking for? And like what are the like what is that way that the those books kind of intersect, I guess? And I guess yeah. it's not always the same, but I guess what are some I, examples maybe you've noticed? Yeah. Um, well, I, I guess I can say like 
the the books that parents are into that kids aren't into are the ones that are like uh talking about these like bigger philosophical mm. things um like they're uh, the con are the are the concepts maybe like just too abstract or I think something they're a little too abstract and oftentimes the the illustration styles that go with those books are maybe not as appealing to kids mm. it's it's such a nebulous thing yeah um it's hard to know exactly like why is a kid into this you know why why is the kid so um engrossed in the pictures of this it also depends on the kids sometimes yeah. sometimes they'll be into this really detailed well-developed uh illustration style and then the kid next to that kid is into the really like blah it's like right you know, um that sound effect really like encompassed a whole lot um but yeah, it, it tends to be more uh, the ones that the kids are into that the parents are not into. It would tend to be more like oh, fart jokes and like, or the like kid humor. Mm. Um, <clears throat> that's like maybe the parent will be like, oh, well, that's like dumb. It's not a that's not right. smart humor. Um, so the best ones that they both tend to like tend to be funny books. Um, that like maybe there are Easter eggs for the parents and you know, the, the jokes that maybe will be going over the kid's head at this point, but then in a few years they'll be getting it. Um, <clears throat> uh, but they and, still probably but, work on some kind of fundamental like story level. Yeah. Like, you know, that even if yeah. you don't understand maybe the, like the big version of like the big implications of this, like you yeah. still like, it still works for like, just as a story. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They, the kids love stories. I was just thinking about like a like something slightly controversial but like the the giving tree or mm -hmm. something like that yeah. has a lot of like really heavy implications. Oh my goodness. Um yeah. for an adult but maybe for a kid just kind of was like, "Oh, th that's a story." That like was nice. you know, they can they sort of under it still yeah. like functions on this very straightforward like narrative yes. Yes. level. Yes. It does. But, yep. you know, Absolutely. When like as an adult, I'm reading The Giving Tree and I'm like, this is such an unhealthy relationship. It is so dark. The yeah. child and the tree. Like this is like killing the tree. Yeah. And oh my gosh. I'm like, yeah, just it's tragic. It. I mean, it's, it's just so, so sad. Tragic. Yeah. But I mean, it, it, that's what's so weird about that book is that I don't think it, it also doesn't give you any easy answers of like right. what you're supposed to take away from it necessarily right. like it yeah. doesn't set up that like and that's yeah. probably why some people really dislike it is because it doesn't explicitly say like this is messed up you know yeah. it doesn't oh it, yeah and it and it kind of like it just lets it be that thing and that's like yeah. i mean i think it's kind of more powerful because of it yeah but absolutely i i mean again i, I like things that are sort of right. uncomfortable and like put you in kind of weird positions yeah. sometimes so there are a lot of books now that are like okay well we have a clear moral and this is the lesson at the end of the story and here it we're going to tie it up with the bow yeah. you know um there are a lot of books out there right now like that um and i think we don't have enough of those unanswered questions you know there's a book right now actually um it's illustrated by the fan brothers and it's called the antlered ship it's one of those rare ones that like, well, the illustrations are gorgeous and you just want to like stare at mm -hmm. it. It's so good. Their illustrations are nuts. Um, but the story is about this fox who wants to find these answers. Um, and 
so he like goes on this whole journey, gets on the ship and finds some friends and does his thing um, and never finds the answers that he's looking for. But it's almost uh, the journey was the answer kind of, you know, like yeah. that's part of like what he's learning is that you don't often find the answers that you're looking for mm-hmm. in life. Um, but he gains these friends over the course of this time and he, he's found this family um when like they get to like his destination that he like thought he was gonna find all this stuff and he doesn't that's okay and it and it's not like it doesn't even wrap it up in a nice little bow and that's cool and that's kind of how it ends and it's really beautiful yeah is there any like uh i don't know direct examples where you've taken something you've learned from one of those, you know, inspirations and applied it really directly in your own work. Hmm. Yeah. Um, Tommy DePaula is another illustrator that's been really influential, uh, on my work. Like stylistically, his work is just, ugh, it's so good. Um, so I, I can definitely see his influence stylistically on mm. my work today. Um, the way that he, simplifies um the figure um he uses a lot of repetition and pattern in um the way he draws backgrounds and buildings that i've taken in um a lot of in my my illustration um yeah the way there's this like he does uses a lot of this kind of scalloped pattern Mm -hmm. to to do like um you know a rooftop or something like that and i i use that a lot in not just my, um, not just like if I were drawing a rooftop, doing like a terracotta rooftop, right. but I find myself like doing that pattern um, in a lot of just doodling. Uh, uh, my sketchbook that I have here I've got a whole big thing that I, I find that a lot of the patterns that are in there I can find in his work. Yeah, which is interesting, but yeah, when you said that, I'm like, yeah, hey, I know what pattern you mean. I mean, you I know can, what I'm uh, talking, talking about. about, and I remember. Yeah. kind of picking up on that when I was a kid too. And I feel like I, I like it totally became my go-to like roof pattern. Yeah. Like it's a really good, it's quickly. a good one. Yeah. And you can also see it in, <laughs> you know, like older stuff, like, like Japanese yeah. printmaking. And I, I recently did a mural, which is like totally, uh, well, I designed a mural. It's currently being painted right now. It's going to go in Silverton, um, on the side of, um, Women writing for a change. Okay. Do you know that? Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of kind of some of those like patterns that mm. are that I snuck in um, to the to the design. I'm really really happy with that one. I'm excited to see it. What's the Finished. What's that one? What's the mural like? What's it about? It's about lady power and uh (laughs) not specifically but it is going i mean because it's going to be going on the side of women writing for a change they really wanted a lot of the things that women writing for a change stand for um in inclusivity and power to uh the feminine spirit and um acceptance and creative expression so i have a lot of there are three women um in the piece and then there's just a bunch of like foliage and like stuff that's kind of like surrounding them kind Mm -hmm. of filling in stuff um and then there's a quote that um that is uh we are all in this story together 
which is um, an excerpt from a poem by Sally Atkins, uh, an American poet, that um, the ladies from Women Writing for a Change, they chose that quote, which I felt like really, really encompassed what Silvertoon is about and mm. what the organization is about. Um, so the women are kind of, they kind of represent different things. Uh, one is about strength and resilience. Uh, another is about um, ideas and philosophies. And then the third one is kind of creative expression and the arts. Um, and so each of them kind of are surrounded by then this rich foliage, which Silverton is um, known for its urban forestry. That's a thing for them. And um, so I have a bunch of different leaves and bushes and uh, so I've got some leaves that are actually the silver linden leaf which is Silverton what they're named for um I've got some that scallop mm -hmm. pattern which I turned into grapes which um, Myers winery is one of the oldest wineries in the area um so to celebrate that their their heritage there they're also a really diverse community that's been a, a, a core thing for them for a long time. So the women are different colors uh, and different hairstyles, different textures. So I really wanted to include diversity in that. There are also some little kind of halos. They're these kind of mandalas almost mm -hmm. that kind of surround. They're kind of coming from everywhere a little bit that kind of representing inspiration and that like it can come from anywhere and everywhere and you don't know necessarily when it's going to hit. Um, so there's a lot, a lot of meaning packed into the, yeah. to the mural, but um, I had a lot of fun making it and the kids I think are going to do a great job of painting it. Cool. Cool. Well, I was hoping uh, you would come with me to go look at the uh, new exhibition, uh, yeah. Make Way for Ducklings, The Art of Robert McCloskey. Let's do it. Um, this will be, have, I'm assuming you, you haven't seen it yet, have you? I have not. It just opened like I've been saving a few days ago, so yeah. you didn't have a lot I've of chances to. I haven't either. So I've heard I, amazing things about it. I have not been step foot in the show, so Perfect. we will be on the equal footing in yes. our uh, looking at it. So uh, let's go. Awesome. So we are in the special exhibition, Make Way for Ducklings, The Art of Robert McCloskey. And we were just, uh, before we started recording, we were both kind of raving about this show because we're both pretty blown away, I yeah. think. I'm, Definitely. I, I've been kind of looking at a lot of these images um, for a while, but I haven't seen everything, obviously. And uh, yeah, I'm still kind of really impressed by it. What was your first, like, what, what, I don't know, what, what kind of blew you away the most or, or what kind of impressed you the most? Uh, his, his draftsmanship is incredible. And also, I think one of the first things I said was um, his economy of line is just insane. So, like, he says so much with just one line yeah. of the pencil or the ink um yeah you said that and uh, we were you yeah, we were, we're over, over here. here and i think that's something that's interesting is i think you know they're all unmistakably him but right. he also changes up quite a lot like which is incredible too yeah i but, think i was noticing it especially with so like these illustrations from homer price and it's also really evident in make way for ducklings the final yeah. illustrations 
he um, just says so much with so little. It, it's so um, clean and precise, but doesn't it doesn't become stiff. Yeah. He uh, still has a lot of life in his drawings. This is something, yeah, like one of the things I'm, I'm like, I love the floorboards in this yeah. drawing here um, that we're looking at that's like in a barber shop. And the way he just gets just enough of the floorboards in there yeah. to give us the, that we know they're there. We yeah. don't need every little detail of those floorboards. And he, he smartly like drops them out so that we focus on this chair in the foreground. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, if you kind of got rid of those floorboards that are further in the background, you know, we would just have this chair floating, floating. in blank space. But like we, our mind continues them on um, and fills the space. So he's so good at that of, of, like you're saying, giving us just enough um, to fill out the picture um, and then letting, putting the details where they need to be oh, and yeah. not putting them where they don't need to be. There's it's, nothing unnecessary yeah. here, but it's still so rich. Yeah, they are very good. Yeah. And, and yeah, like this, this one uh, before it too, I mean, yeah. we were just talking about those really clean, simple lines yeah. of that, um, the bar there that yeah. has, you know, just mostly just very straightforward lines, just these little shadows, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> it's just enough. And then yeah. like, again, you know, if you look at the part of the, if you kind of focus on where there is a little more attention paid to them, it's like the things that probably are much more important to the story, right? Absolutely. Your eye gets yeah. drawn to those places that are probably what was being illustrated more directly. Right. Yeah. Um, I love the, the movement of, uh, so uh, Homer, right? That's the yeah that's the, the character. Protagonist's yeah, name. I think so. The kid is like sweeping. He's mopping this floor, and these like water droplets are like coming up. It creates such a really great sense of movement. Yeah. But none of it feels messy. It doesn't feel messy or un unneeded. There's no mark here that is unnecessary, which is really cool. Yeah, yeah. That the those little puddles and stuff. The yeah. Way they just, they're done with such economy, like you mentioned. So you have just that little like swoop down at the bottom and it's yeah. like, it doesn't have to necessarily connect either. Right. He kind of knows like, oh no, I can just leave that hanging. Yeah. And you can tell that he's just like sort of taken this in one fell swoop and just sort of made these puddles without, with seeming like ease, just totally. Yeah. I've, I've have no words <laughs> <laughs> blown away blown away yeah That's great. yeah this is definitely i mean if you're a drawing nerd you'll uh get yeah, yeah. real excited by all I'm, of this I'm stuff geeking out hard yeah for sure yeah this little make way for duckling bay here <laughs> that yeah. we're in now is also just very charming like and when i came in i love this case that has a little replica of the um the maquette for the, oh the sculpture and i also love seeing the actual caldecott medal yeah, I did not expect that either. I, was I like, didn't sort of either. Like, oh, was, wow. That was great. And you can see the other side of it um, that says, for the most distinguished American picture book for children, which you don't see because that's like the other side of the medal. You right. always see the other side. Which is like which printed on the, the cover. Which right, yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's really cool to see. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and this was like, you know, Make Way for Ducklings is probably the book I knew the best yeah, out of me these. Too. Probably honestly the only one I knew before 
started talking about this exhibit, but, um, yeah. you know, it's so famous. Um, and I guess I, I remember also just like not being that excited by it yeah. as a kid. I was just kind of yeah. like, eh, okay, whatever. It's an older story and feels yeah. older. The pacing is different. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, this was made in the I 40s. Think 41. Yeah, yeah, 41. 41. Yeah, 41. So like kids now, they're not used to a story that's paced this way, mm-hmm. but it has such a, um, a beautiful calming nature to it. That yeah. I think we don't always get with kids stories now. Um, also something that I have noticed when I've been talking about, oh yeah, are you going to go see the McCloskey exhibit? People say uh, they're super surprised to hear that he's from Ohio because everyone thinks that he's from Boston. Yeah, because because of this, of this yeah. which is incredible because his attention to his attention to bringing the the landscape to life, it's like um, it's like a third character. In this, we have like, you know, we have the ducklings, the parents, or I'm sorry, we have the the two ducks and then all of the ducklings. But then there's this other character that is Boston. It's the city. Yeah. Which is so great. It almost seems like he's a native Bostonian because of the the love that he gives to all of the the backgrounds, the buildings, the park, all of the water, everything is given such a love and attention to detail. Yeah. That is really cool. Yeah, these, I mean, you can see, like, the bridges here in the background are very specific, and you can just yeah, tell, Yeah, super like, specific. Yeah, that, that a, a lot of attention is paid to making sure that those locations um, are given that kind of attention and that they can uh, shine through in that way. Yeah. Yeah, I think, like, you know, what's interesting is I, I, I'm thinking of, like, why these don't appeal to me maybe as much, ironically, since they're his most well-known work. Yeah. And I think it is that, like... I I feel like he's so good with ink and the other like the the watercolor that yeah. I feel like he's maybe not quite as amazing with the graphite. Like it's gr- it's good. They're very sure. good drawings. Right. Yeah. And like you're saying, he's an amazing draftsman. He like is an so draftsman, so yeah. it's like all of that still shines through no matter what. But like they just don't quite do it for me in the way that even the like Homer Price and and the blueberries for Sal yeah. the way like he uses ink in those is just so stunning so good yeah um and i think he's good with the graphite but it's like yeah. i don't know if he's quite as good with the graphite <laughs> I mean, I'm not trying to throw shade at the, uh, the fans McCloskey. are just I mean, so upset in his right now show, right i just when i think about like how much more I would probably like these drawings if they were in ink. If they were and, inked, and they yeah. were had that like really beautiful line yeah. that you were talking about. Yeah. And I think that's part of why I'm just kind of like, huh, okay. Well, a lot of these aren't finals. That's true. So, that's true. Which is probably part which of which is also incredible because there's so much detail in this. This seems like it could be a final illustration, but it's not. Yeah. And that like also like points to his commitment to quality and all of these drafts of before he even gets to the final illustration is nuts to me. Yeah. Um, So I think in some of the final illustrations, we get a lot more of that economy of line. You see that he's just made one line and that he hasn't gone back over it. There's a, there's a beauty and a simplicity to it, but I do agree. I think that his ink work like it, like that's showcased in blueberries for Sal 
is does seem to maybe be stronger. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I, I that's a very good point to bring up about these not being the final version. Right. So, I mean, obviously they're they're a little looser and a little, you know, messier than the finals would be. But there is still, when I think of that final artwork in the printed version of Make Way yeah. for Duckling, it's got that kind of, um, that kind of, tooth of the paper shining through yeah, with the graphite yeah. you can see that in there yeah. um and so it, it's it's fine it's just it's there's something about that <laughs> feeling that just i don't quite respond not to quite personally. sure it's yeah. not my thing you know yes. that's me so yep. if you love it then that's fine like you know i'm like to. inwardly just like seething how <laughs> dare you no i think i agree like yeah i i think blueberries for sal is perhaps his strongest yeah. in this show yeah there's just and that's what's interesting is to me about the show is that like this is the work he is most famous for and it's right. probably my like the thing i'm least <laughs> impressed by sure um and, and not that it's not impressive and there's so much to admire i mean especially um i mean really we were talking like he is so good and as i was going through these i'm just like yeah he's really great at almost everything like which his, is very annoying yeah like <laughs> Like his compositions in in this are he's just so, so good. He's so good. It's like the stupid. way the way he is setting up these these scenes to to get you to look at exactly what you need to be yeah. looking at, but also not in a way that's like super obvious. Yeah, like, you know, like he's not you know like this one with the the ducks walking in front of this like storefront here. Yeah. Like the way that they are allowed to be so small. Right. In that could easily be a composition where everything gets swallowed up or the details that we need get swallowed up by the the traffic light or the storefront, but it's not. It's actually very clear. Yeah. We know exactly what we're supposed to be looking at. I think it could also be very easy for the ducks to dominate these pictures because yeah. they're the ducks. Like it's the right. story it's about, about them. It's about them, yeah. Right. And you would almost like that would be maybe my instinct. And I think why what he's doing so well is he keeps it at that human scale. Yeah. So for that sure. you, you, it's like, it makes us focus on how small the ducks are in yeah. this world. And yeah. Which then highlights how vulnerable they are. Right. You know, especially when we first get to the scene where they're hitting traffic at the for the right. first time, you know, and then we see this intersection where the police are finally like, you know, helping out, they're holding back traffic so the ducks can go across. They are tiny. Yeah. They are so tiny. You just see this little line, the eight little ducks going across. But yeah, I think you're you're really right to point out that it's all on a human scale so that it highlights how how dangerous this could yeah. be. Yeah. This when, is a high stakes situation here. In the illustration over there before where I think it's uh, a book I haven't read for years, but I, <laughs> right. I feel like it's at the beginning of the book where it's like setting up the mother duckling and or the mother right. and her ducklings. And, um, you know, at that point, we're kind of more in nature. And yeah. so it's more on a duck scale. Right. And we're getting that. Um, it, it, it feels more like that kind of they are they're dominating the picture frame a lot more um and that makes sense in that world and then it's like as we we go out into the the city they get smaller and smaller in the frame in a lot of these which is really cool yeah that is cool yeah well let's move on um yeah uh yeah like you kind of feel like especially when you come in the show you see like all these black and white drawings and you're kind of like Oh, he's, he's obviously very good at black and white. And then right. you get to these color and you're like, oh man, he's really good at color. He's so good. 
Yeah, and I actually didn't realize that this one, um, The Time of Wonder, which came out in 57, that also was a Caldecott winner. Yeah. And it's these gorgeous, gorgeous paintings. I don't they're gouache or no it's watercolor. watercolor yeah I, they it have has a, a gouache quality i know to i kept it. thinking that with the um i think he uses a lot of white in the watercolor which yeah. is what gives it that impression because i did the same thing with the the next one with a lot of that i was like oh this is gouache right and then i was like no it's watercolor nope. but yeah. i could see i got kind of close and i could see that he was using a lot of white to in, which gives it that kind of gouache yeah. uh, effect yeah, what's cool is that by this time in his life, from what I understand, is that they had moved, they'd moved to Maine. They bought a house. Yeah, yeah. And so that is really clear in these paintings. They he bought has an island. This, yeah, which is insane. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm just going to move to Maine and buy an island. island I know. Oh, but like his love for the landscape and the, the life that they're living here is clearly being showcased in, you know, for example, this final illustration that's showing kind of a, a faraway landscape of all these islands, and mm -hmm. then you're seeing this sort of gentle rainfall that's kind of coming down from it, these great clouds. He, he clearly loves this place. That is really coming through in his illustrations. Yeah, and again, that amazing variety of scale that he's using in making Absolutely. I mean, if you look at all of these different pictures, we have the humans at different scales, the, you know, the boats at different, you know, it's like he's, he's really keeping a lot of variety and how close and how far away he, he zooms in and giving yeah. you exactly what you need to get from that. And like, you know, exactly what's the point of the picture, you know? Yeah. So good. Yeah. And then you, you were pretty impressed by some of this. We have this little section of just his own kind of private works. Super of, impressed. Yeah, just like kind of art for art's sake, we could call them. Yeah, I mean, um, he even has this, like, he's got a woodcut book plate over here that's yeah. just so good. Yeah. Um, And then he's got these other gorgeous watercolor paintings that are just, you know, for fun. You know, these great landscapes. I love the way he paints buildings. Um, yeah, they're really nice. Again, like, it can be really hard to, I think... I mean, he paints a building as if it were just a part of the landscape, right? Like, right. you know, that it, it, again, it can be a little tempting to get into the weeds with like the architecture of this stuff. Absolutely. Um, and he's just giving us just enough. Like the front of this building, which is getting the most of the light, has no sense of the siding on yeah. it. Um, yeah. Because it's just like kind of all blown out essentially and then we only get this little hint of it just like he did with the floorboards right um just these little nothing nice... unnecessary yeah it's, yeah and and you know even look at the like the wiggliness of that chimney yeah like i think that's so great to just be able to like yeah that's fine and like you don't right. really notice it like it feels solid when you stand back and you look at it and you don't really pay attention to it because we kind of again our brain snaps it into place yeah yeah right. it's a chimney we know what we it get is it. He's not too rigid. He's fine with these like lines that are supposed to be completely straight, and they're not. He's okay with leaving that there. Yeah, it's it's a real like testament to, again to like how much variety he has because I feel like, especially what if if I was just basing this on his work for Make Way for Ducklings, I would have assumed he's a little more rigid in right. his style, yep. and then or especially I think even more so in like Blueberries for Sal. Very, yeah, very controlled, like very super so. controlled. But then um, if we kind of dip around the corner here, and I want to get the title right, 
<laughs> where is it it's, um, um the Bert bow deep water man right is that what you're talking about yes yes um yeah these ones for Bert bow Bert dow deep water man whoa what a title Yeesh. Um, oh, these paintings are just really interesting to me because they have moments of kind of control, but then you get to these like weird Pollocky-esque splatters. He's literally getting spit out of the mouth of a whale. And there are these hilarious sort of, he's got these lines of movement. And there's one that's just like a squiggle. And they're yeah. just like, sort of like going like that and then he's got these all these splatters the splatters on the tail like the ones coming up that those next to the ones of him painting he's, the inside of the whale like pollock right. it's very pollockian <laughs> <laughs> but like i love the connection between that like on the outside and like both intentionally and then the, the way that he's painting these splashes on the tail which feel like he's obviously taking it um influence from that abstract expressionist Absolutely. Uh, paintings um, in this kid's book. I was like, whoa, when I got to this point and saw those splashes, I was just so excited because again, it's like something so wild and so free and, and somebody who obviously has a lot of control. For sure. So, I mean, he just is so good at knowing when to let that go. Like even, man, look at these like little yeah. paint lines down here in the waves. Like, oh, it's so good. The way it goes from like, the way it's controlled yeah. over on yep. this side with the boat, and then it dips yep. into these like beautiful kind of squiggly pattern. I mean, it's yeah. so so amazing, like yep. that he's able to do that. I don't know, and absolutely, yeah, and and just again, like the color in these. I mean, that one where you're you were just talking about the boat popping out. Of yeah, the, like I mean. I, that is just some of the best use of color of like anything. The way his like, use of pink is is very unexpected, and yeah. I, I think it's incredible. The pink on the boat, the way the boat is kind of both like the whale that matches the whale and the sea. Yep. And then the only yellow in the whole picture is him. You know, like right, which is so good. When, when that gets get lets him do the again a master of scale. He's got that character so tiny so that he can make that whale so big who's never yep. like you can we never see all of the whale because it's too big to fill the fit in the frame. And and it's just like he's he's created this massive sense of scale um, by how he's well, that's all I'm trying to say. He's created this massive <laughs> sense of scale. That's all I'm trying yep, to say. Yep, that and you got it. Yep. yep. And and it's just so so good. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I love it. I kept being, I got real into looking at the texture on this whale. Oh my know. gosh, me too. Were you like, how did he do I, that? I, seriously, I like <laughs> leaned forward really close thing. and I was like, how did he do that? Because it's next to this really like almost airbrushed look. Oh my gosh, I mean, I think he's creating smooth. it with, um, with watercolor. But yeah, I think it's just like wet on wet. Yeah, wet on know? wet. But this, it, it looks like a, a weathered skin that he's, I don't, I actually don't know how he made it. I mean, I, the best I can tell is again, we were talking about the kind of gouachiness of it. And, yeah. and I mean, are we doing just that? We are so inside baseball here. We are like, not like explaining ourselves at all. I know. Cause we're two like drawing people talking about drawing. I know. And we are, I'm like, this is, I, I would like to apologize to the yeah, listeners. Yeah, so sorry, guys. I'm really sorry. <laughs> so gouache. We should probably do a primary because that is not something, like everybody knows what watercolor is, but right. people do not know what gouache is. Gouache like, is like, um, 
a an opaque watercolor. Yeah, basically. that's a great way because it's you, it's water soluble and it's used in a lot of illustration because you can get these really beautiful flat colors with it. Right. So you can you know it, it unlike watercolor, which is really hard to get sort of a like because it's so transparent. You know. Yeah. It, it, watercolor is like always doing its own thing too yeah it's a it has a mind of its own which actually is why i love it so much yeah um but with gouache you can get a much more controlled look i don't use it that often i i don't really know how to get it to do what i want it to do yeah <laughs> um but it's almost like a marriage between um like an acrylic and a watercolor yeah and i'd almost kind of wonder i mean the more i look at this i wonder if they're just kind of chalking it up to like what just calling both of them watercolor because they're, I think so because there are parts like that tongue to me looks like gouache. Like, uh, it all I, looks like gouache to me. Yeah, I and mean, they and I saw in one of the descriptors that it said it was an uh, an opaque watercolor. Oh, okay. But I I think it's just gouache. Gouache. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, I, I think um, you know we might be just splitting hairs on yeah, words probably. here, but I mean, yeah, because I think the only part of this that looks like very traditional watercolor to me is, is that, that background. Background, and even yeah. it's a. It even looks kind of gouache. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's although doing that with gouache is not easy. No, like getting that no, kind of yeah. So I don't know. I mean, it does look kind of wet on wet, but it's yeah. Unknown. The the texture. I mean, I feel like he has this like darker color down for the whale, and then he's got that lighter opaque color that he is maybe like like using some kind of texture to apply it. I yeah, I don't know. Really cannot tell. You can get a lot of really cool textures um, by just yeah, like putting something on top of the paint and letting it dry that way. But yeah, I don't know. So I don't good. know what he did. I mean, <laughs> there are parts where like maybe I think he's gone in and actually like painted in a little bit to like connect maybe. Okay. The yeah. Like so, so some of the texture is random. Some of it is like he's like kind of adding to it and, and working with it to, I don't yeah. know what, it's just Who knows? so impressive. It is very impressive. Uh, cool. Well, now that we've geeked out for a million years about uh, paint, that's good. <laughs> good job. For nobody else. Sorry. Sorry, guys. <laughs> yeah. Um, which one is this? This is One Morning in Maine. One Morning in Maine. Yeah. yeah. Which is kind of, it feels... Um, similar in well they're they're both set in Maine but it kind of feels similar to blueberries for Sal mm -hmm. um just in the landscape because yeah. they're both set in Maine and <laughs> so again, that makes sense yeah do we do, I didn't even look to see what's the final art for these because these are all again like none of these are final final yeah I'm kind of curious to see what the final I don't think we have any of the finals for oh you mean in the book yeah like yeah. we have these books over here so I'm yeah like, which I actually really appreciated that now we can we look through yeah I know because um we were talking about you know make way for ducklings and stuff the sort of thing. so I'm curious to see yeah these do have like they 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 still have that very graphitey feel that yeah they kind do of similar to make way for ducklings yep um, this feels more like um, the earlier piece the Homer Price Homer Price I think because there are more figures there are more people yeah. in it um, yeah I mean when you look at also he's he's letting it be kind of it is, I mean, it's still like those lines here, this like yeah, just so precise. white with like just little line and then letting other areas be so, um, so, um, I don't know, what's the word? I don't know, I, I don't know what you're saying. I know, because <laughs> I'm not saying anything. He's very, he's confident enough in, in his 
whichever medium he's using, he lets white really be white. That's a good, good point. He And then he also, he just works with such confidence. Um, that's just really inspiring. Um, he doesn't feel like he needs to add all these extra things, which then goes back to what we were talking about. Yeah. In his economy of line, there's nothing that's unnecessary in these illustrations. Yeah, yeah. Boy, now see now I'm looking through Make Way for Ducklings, and I want to take back everything. Yeah, now you I said love it. it. You love it I'm now. Just like, boy, these drawings are they're really so good. good. I love how much it feels like H. A. Ray. It feels like um, um, Curious George to me. Hmm. Um, partially in that it's graphite um, and has that more textured pencil feel, and partially because it's like animals in a city. Yeah. Um, and also partially because they're sort of around the same t era. I think this is earlier than Curious George, but I actually don't know. I feel like Curious George was maybe the 16th. 19th. 19th. Yeah. Good year. Good year. <laughs> yep. Yeah, but there is a there is a similarity between One Day in Maine and Make Way for Ducklings, I feel like. Yeah. But it maybe, look at this. I'm sorry. We're now just like turning oh, pages and so like good. getting really excited about just drawings. But I feel like, they're maybe a little less economic than Make Way for Ducklings. Like, there's just a lot more yeah, detail Yeah, there's going a on. lot more going on. But, man, look at this. Look at this over so here. So cool. He's so, just <sighs> drawn, like, a tree line, a whole thing of tree line, just by doing a bunch of zigzags. Yeah. But That's then nuts. the brilliance of it is, like, so we have this island off in the, this is, we're looking at a page from uh, One Day in Maine. And one morning in Maine. Sorry, it's page sixty-three. <laughs> in case you, if for you, those of you following along in your books, <laughs> <laughs> turn now in your Bibles to oh, page sixty-three. Right. Um, so we have uh, we have one island uh, that's like a little bit closer in the foreground, and like it's pretty painstaking tree drawings, right? Like, look at all yeah, of this. There's like, a lot of detailing, and there. then there's an island right like across from it, like that far in the background yeah but he has just given this like most like squiggle 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 and it looks so good it does it's like, annoying it's so annoying and then, how good that looks and it's, it looks especially good in the way it's reflected in the water like yeah look at the way like this is reflected and then the Ugh. way that's i, I mean uh, he's so good we're just getting annoyed by They're him just now. It's very annoying. We're just like paying attention to all these like, little <laughs> things that he's getting away with that is just kind of miraculous. Yeah. And it's like he couldn't have gotten away with that, I feel like, if he hadn't done this Right. Here. You have to establish the level of detail here in order to then be like, no, I'm not going to give it. And that also helps with I know that I need to be looking at this more. My exactly. eye is going to be drawn to these details so much more and i don't have to look as much at this island that's here in the background yeah because it's not given as much time yeah but gosh i also i just really love it like i kind of love looking over there to see all those little squiggles and but it is like it is kind of funny because when you do what we're doing and you just isolate that part of the page and look at it it does become so crazy and like so radical yeah to compare to this like it's so insane that these two things are existing in the same drawing yep oh my gosh Ugh. all right so good all right mccloskey i'm done with Ugh, you let's Rob. go look over at uh, some of these <laughs> adorable bears uh, which are so cute in uh blueberries for sal which sal is based off of his daughter yeah um whose name was sally is that right i think so 
sounds good to me. Yep. I knew it was a yep. daughter. Sounds about right. Um, and that seems like what you would shorten. Yep. The only lady name I can think of that could be shortened to Sal. <laughs> um, yeah. Boy, this one, this first one here at the top yeah. with that bear making like that yep. face. It's like, who? Is so just... good. Which I think is at, towards the end of the book, they realize that their children have been switched. Okay. Because somehow, and it's been forever since I've read this, somehow the the kid and the bear cub follow the incorrect parent. Yeah. Well, it says here, I think it's got the page numbers and the label. So it looks like this is 42 to 43 and then yeah. below it is 48 to 49. Yep. So it looks like, yeah, pretty deep into the book at yeah. that point. Yes. Um, and yeah, and I love that it is like mimicking the same compositions. Oh yeah, it's know. so good. Well, and also the wording too. So we have, this is not my child, where is little bear? And then in the next piece where the bear is looking at the, or the bear cub is looking at the mom, she says, my goodness, you are not little Sal. Where, oh, where is my child? So there's this repetition and then the similarity in composition is also. Yeah you know, adding to that. Um, yeah, it's delightful. <laughs> and the bear's like sticking out his tongue. I know. They're like, Whoa. So cute. <laughs> so um, cute. Yeah, he's just got like, he's, I mean, again, like so good at just like anatomy. Yeah. Right? Like drawing these people in like a playful way, but a way like, just look at those hands. Right. Real good. We're not losing any of the, the integrity of the human form but there is also clearly a stylization yeah, that's yeah, yeah. happening. Um, yeah, it's great. Yeah. And oh, just the man. way the fur. Yeah, the way he's done the fur. And then even the way he's done each individual leaf of the bushes. That's incredible. And, I mean, he is. there are spaces here where um, the bush, so we're looking at page 30 and 31, um, and it's the it's Sal following the the mama bear, mm. and there's a space here where we have a lot of leaves around the bush, and then there's sort of this empty space where he's just suggesting that we have the rest of the bush, yeah, where the leaves are kind of being filled in, and your brain fills that in, which is so cool. Well, and and it uses it he uses that like to create volume. So yes, like absolutely, he's, he's like creating like using less drawing to give more white of the page to show us where the light is hitting it. And then instead of drawing, you know, like he's doing on her legs, doing sort of these uh, crosshatchy lines to right. create shadow, he's just simply using the lines of the leaves themselves to create right. that volume. So freaking good. Yeah. And, and the, ah, gosh, the way like he lets the fur of that, like be super black, like just yeah. dense, like big areas of black. And then the way it like ripples into that, like light reflecting off the bear. Yep. Gosh. I also really love that we that included in the show is um, a lot of his sketches, his preliminary sketches, his studies. So he like went to the Central Park Zoo and just drew the bears. Yeah, those bear drawings are so good. They're really good. He's captured so much of the bear's essence in like so few lines. But doing it also in the way that like, I think what's impressive is that he's already kind of applying his stylistic flourishes on yeah. the bear. So it's kind of fun to think about him like looking at like real bears and drawing them in a way that's like not exactly how real bears right, look, right? right? But like you can also tell that he's clearly being influenced by the the actual anatomy of the bear. Yeah, um, for sure. 
you know, those ears are a little too cutesy, right? right. They're a little just, too big, a little too round. Yeah, they're yep. already like, he's already in that world while at the Central Park Zoo, which is kind of great. I would, great. I feel like I would have a hard time not like drawing the bears in like a, a little bit more like academic way. Yes. If, like if I was at the zoo, I, I would have trouble like separating those out at doing it all in one motion. Yeah. Like yep. I feel like I could take my, I could draw the, the bears there, take it home and then like, start to abstract and, it out and then put your own style into it yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. but yeah, i think sure. he's doing it all in one one fell swoop which is kind of impressive <laughs> yeah it is impressive i also like that he's just using like clearly like an old marker oh, or yeah. something yeah, getting a like getting a lot out of that marker yeah he really is that marker has seen better days yeah i mean just like how much variety of line he's getting out of the marker yeah. just like getting you know knows how to how to press like to just to get the different uh tones out of it to get those like really dark areas and then just like gentle brush of it like so good and then this piece is just also like yeah so it's just adorable. this study for sal and bear cub for blueberries for sal and so it's just a study and yet the the color he's using and the it's just yeah, it's just incredible. Yeah, this bear licking its lips yeah. is so cute. <laughs> so cute. And there's also so much life in it, mm -hmm. which is great. He's a little chubbier than I feel like the bear and yeah, the Yeah, he has a little chubs. The bear the bear and the I, I wonder if the choice was made to change to like make more connections between Sal and the, the bear because the yeah. the bear has become like kind of lanky. Yeah. In the book and um, kind of skinny like the girl. Like the, yeah. So I kind of wonder if like that was made to help kind of make a connection between them. But this bear is so adorable. So cute. <laughs> I also feel really bad because the entire time of seeing Blueberries for Sal as a, as a book, um, I thought that Sal was a boy. I don't think that's uncommon. <laughs> we've we've made that correction in the office a few times right. with people and talking about girl. it. Yeah. It's Sally. Yeah. Um, yeah oh man okay geek out time again yep. like just look at these areas like down oh here in these drawings and like this the brown and the ground and then the way this brown it's the same brown in the bottom of the bear yeah and this claw just like yeah. disappears into the landscape but like so good it makes sense we get it we know what's going on right yeah he's he's adding just enough details in just the right places and then the rest is just kind of a blurred out, kind of watery gorgeousness. Yeah, yeah. It's so perfect. So descriptive. I know. I mean, it's like a study, but it's like, it's so perfect. Still, it feels like a final piece. Yeah, like totally. It could be a final piece. It could be Which is how I feel about all of his studies yeah. in general. All of his, all these sketches for Make Way for Ducklings, all of his prelim stuff could totally be final illustrations. I mean, this would be a great cover, right? Like, it would. It'd it be would real be fun. Beautiful cover art. But his his um, commitment to quality and it being the best it could be is very inspiring to me. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's just, he's so, like, he's so confident. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, there's yeah. so much confidence in this drawing. Like, in, yeah. mo in almost all of them. I mean, even in the... Actually, I think that's, that is one thing you can really tell maybe if we, we follow the show sort of chronologically. I would say yeah. those early drawings do not necessarily have this level of confidence in them. Yep, Where he's sure. like totally able to just be like, yeah, it's good. Like yeah, I'll this just little, leave it. little squiggle here. That's all I need. That's, that's good. I feel like 
you know, we were talking about some of the similarities for One Day in Maine and Homer Price. And yeah. I feel like that island with the little squiggles, like, yes. that is not something you see in these earlier drawings. Yeah, that for is, sure. He would is, not have done that in Homer Price That at comes all. with the confidence of age and, like, the ability to know, like, yeah, I can get away with this. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so good. So good. Oh, man. Well, we've made a thoroughly geek geeky and probably alienating episode (laughs) (laughs) oh man hopefully we have some i know i hope there's nerds i know i hope somebody out there is like with us on our (laughs) like willing to come along with us on this journey of of geeking out because this is oh don't you just want to go home and draw yes absolutely i I, I totally want to i want to go get some tracing paper and then study more of his stuff and then just <laughs> try to emulate it and then weep because I can't. Yeah, yeah. I wish I could go back to my desk and draw instead of be editing this. <laughs> <laughs> wah, wah. Real life. Well, um, we, didn't, I, we didn't really talk about your books. You should uh, t- tell us what we can buy. <laughs> yeah. Love so, your stuff. Right. Um, my book is called What is Soft? And it, I just illustrated it. Just. Just. I just uh, illustrated uh. it. It is um, written by Susan Cantor, a lovely woman who lives in New York. Um, and it is about the basic concept. We're introducing the concept of soft to little ones. So nice. it's a board book. Mm-hmm. So for toddlers, it's the books that are made out of those cardboard pages. Um, so they don't get destroyed as easily because, uh, you know what? They want to destroy everything at that age. Yeah, it's, they they, uh, they can take more just like slobbering and fitting yeah, right Yeah, it can mouth. take a little more of a beating than a normal book. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, it is about soft things. It's rhyming, so it's really calming. It's a good bedtime book. Mm. Um, also, it's like a really springy book, really fun, bright colors. Yeah, it's uh, it ends with a bedtime scene, so it's nice and calming. Nice. And where can we follow you? You can follow me on Instagram and other social media things at Hooray Lorraine, which I apologize. Um, <laughs> Lorraine is my middle name, um, so it's spelled <laughs> L-O-R-R-A-I-N-E, mm-hmm. and Hooray is H-O-O-R-A-Y. Yeah. So Hooray Lorraine. Um, I'm on Instagram most actively. Um, yeah, and you can buy the book at bluemanatiepress.com. Uh, yeah, or you can cool. come into the bookstore. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being my guest today. Thank you. This was a blast and a half. Thank you for listening to Art Palace. We hope you'll be inspired to come visit the Cincinnati Art Museum and have conversations about the art yourself. General admission to the museum is always free, and we also offer free parking. The special exhibitions on view right now are Make Way for Ducklings, The Art of Robert McCloskey, and Terracotta Army, Legacy of the First Emperor of China. If you'd like to learn more about the exhibition we looked at in today's episode, join us on Sunday, July 29th at 3 p.m. for a free gallery experience on Robert McCloskey, led by Director of Education Emily Holtrip. For program reservations and more information, visit cincinnatiartmuseum.org. You can follow the museum on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, and also join our Art Palace Facebook group. Our theme song is Offrande Musicale by Bacalao. 
And like always, please rate and review us. It really helps others find the show. I'm Russell Eyrig, and this has been Art Palace, produced by the Cincinnati Art Museum.